0: Welcome to episode three in our breastfeeding podcast series with Amberly Harris. In this episode we cover when things don't quite go to plan with breastfeeding. Amberly shares her incredible tips and tricks to help manage mastitis, milk supply issues and nipple pain or damage. Enjoy! Hey mama I'm
1: sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes it's time for through, let's take some time for you it's pregnancy with
0: welcome back to episode three of the breastfeeding podcast series so far in this series we have learnt the foundational knowledge that you'll need to help establish a confident and successful breastfeeding relationship as well as learning about the magical breast crawl and why it is so important as an initiation into your breastfeeding journey For those of you who missed the first two episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to them first. They will definitely help set you up with a normal and physiological understanding of breastfeeding before we dive in today about when things don't quite go to plan with your breastfeeding journey. And for those who just want to jump straight into the entire breastfeeding series without waiting for the future episodes to be released, remember it is up now inside my online program, The Pregnancy Posse. This entire breastfeeding series, plus a bonus episode on pumping, hand-expressing demonstrations and baby latch demonstrations is now live for all Posse members to enjoy. You can find out more about The Pregnancy Posse and trial it for seven days by visiting thepregnancyposse.com. Amberly Harris, our wonderful breastfeeding expert and endorsed midwife is today going to teach us about how to manage when things don't quite go to plan. So it is all well and good to learn about the natural and normal parts of breastfeeding, but we know that for a lot of women, this is not the journey that they will experience. Breastfeeding can be hard Oh, so hard, and I want to make sure that we don't set women up to fail by not helping them understand the ways in which breastfeeding can go astray, and the strategies that you may need to help pull it back on track. So, if you do need further guidance or support in your breastfeeding journey, you can find Amberly over on social media at Maternal Instincts by Amberly. In today's episode, Amberly and I discuss mastitis milk supply issues and nipple pain and damage. We discuss why soft boobs and pumping volumes are not great indicators for milk supply. And we cover the four things that you should be assessing to work out whether your supply is adequate or not. We also cover whether or not (laughs) the yummy lactation cookies and teas are even worthwhile. Do you really need to prepare your nipples for feeding? And we have a great chat about how robust the lactation system is. Yes, we do discuss the fact that grandmas can sometimes breastfeed babies. I know, crazy. Ambly <laughs> and I really geek out in this episode about how incredible our bodies truly are. And I think you're going to love this one. If you do love this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss our upcoming episodes in this series. In the last few episodes of this series, we'll be debunking some funny but also horrifying breastfeeding myths, as well as everything you need to know about antenatal expressing and preparing colostrum before your baby arrives. But for now, let's troubleshoot when things don't quite go to plan with your breastfeeding journey. Let's talk troubleshooting. (laughs) I feel like we've covered covered the 101, the basics um, for anyone who's never you know, had any clue about breastfeeding. I think this has been really valuable to give women a really good understanding of the breast crawl and organically how it should be set up. But as you know, and I know, it doesn't always work out so well and there can be issues that come up. So let's talk about some of the common issues that women might experience. Um, and this is just from what I know, you may be able to contribute a few more, but let's talk about nipple damage to start with. So you mentioned before about the latch and how having a correct latch is important. But what is normal because a lot of women are told that your nipples should hurt and that's part of the breastfeeding journey. So can you delve into nipple yeah. nipple pain and nipple damage for
1: us? Sure. So I wouldn't necessarily say it should or it should or shouldn't hurt um, because again, there's a lot of reasons why it could hurt for mothers. Um, I think what's important to remember is probably the way it works, like the mechanics of it. So if you put your tongue on the roof of your mouth, you'll find the hard palate and then take your tongue back about two thirds of the way. And you'll see it go soft. That's the soft palate. So that's actually where your baby draws your nipple to get on properly. So your 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 nipple actually lengthens three times its normal length to get all the way back, yeah, to the soft palate. (laughs) It's a long way. Breasts don't look like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And thanks to collagen and elastin, our nipples have this amazing ability to do that. But at the start, that's not. You know, very great sensation that doesn't feel super comfortable. And so, what you're feeling is your nipples repeatedly hitting the hard palate and it's being sort of pinched and it's not very comfy. And it takes about sort of 10 to 20 seconds before your baby does a great job and gets it all the way back to the right spot. And then you should be able to feel a difference. You should be able to say, okay, I still feel this strong drawing sensation, but it's not the same sort of shooting, stabbing, pinching kind of discomfort that. I felt uh, for that first portion of the attachment. So attachment pain is, is you know, it's part of breastfeeding for a lot of mothers. Definitely some mothers don't feel attachment pain, but I do find the majority will feel that strong sensation on attachment. And what's important is that we, you can differentiate and you can be able to say, oh yeah, no, okay. It's, we're 10, 20 seconds in, it feels different. I'm good, I can sit here for this. Or are you like, oh gosh, no, it's actually still stabbing, pinching, feeling really uncomfortable? And then we can sort of look at the attachment to be able to say, okay, look, your baby's not on properly. They're right on the end of the nipple. We need a much wider open mouth so that they can draw your nipple back to the soft palate.
0: Okay, so 10, 20 seconds is. reasonable to experience some discomfort but after that it should definitely not be feeling sore or definitely not wincy Mm. you know stabby shooting yucky pain
1: exactly and I guess the only reason it may continue is if perhaps you've had some some feeds where your baby hasn't got on properly and maybe they have done some damage to to your nipple Um, and so you might find that you do have some pain through the whole length of the feed but hopefully you've got someone with you to help you sort of differentiate is it that your baby's not on properly or is it no no I can tell the attachment's right it's just everything's a bit sore and it's just going to take a few days for everything to heal
0: yes okay and what is your advice I know you have an amazing nipple butter balm yourself yeah what is your advice so let's say unfortunately you know the the attachment hasn't been so great now you do have some grazes or cuts or mm. um, damaged nipples, mm. wh- what next? Like how mm. do you repair that?
1: Sure, yeah. So the, the nipple and areola has this amazing ability to heal. It's this very sophisticated part of our anatomy that is actually designed to do this. And so um, unlike other parts of our body when we experience damage, um, the basically the, the damaged skin lifts off and then the skin that's behind it is is softer and it's like new fresh baby skin amazingly with the nipple and areola it's not like that the skin that sort of gets replaced like that comes up afterwards when that those layers of skin um lift off um, is tougher it's more resilient and it's actually better at sort of withstanding the process of breastfeeding so um quite often we sort of just need to go through this process of adjustment to sort of get to the good place where our nipples are, are are going to be better at this Um, I definitely say you you need help with positioning and attachment at the start. You need to learn what it looks like when your baby's on properly, you know, how their top and bottom lip gets fanned out, um, how there's no like tugging on the nipple, like the breast tissue around. It's not like moving in all different directions. Your baby looks like they've got this really solid attachment. Um, That's really important. And then, yeah, definitely good products. I'm I'm really big on specific products for nipples, which is why I've made a nipple butter, because I look. Mm -hmm for a long time to find something, um, none of them had the ingredients that I wanted in them um, because I the herbs are very important. You need mm. um, herbal medicine to have a therapeutic benefit. Um, and a lot of the products on the market are just lanolin-based and I find that they're not strong enough. They don't do enough for, um, for, you know, just the standard adjustment for nipples to get used to breastfeeding. So you really want a product that's going to accelerate wound healing but not do anything bad. And um, and by bad, I mean, there's also a lot of products on the market that have essential oils in them. Um, and as we talked about before, about the importance of the breast crawl, mainly our babies using their sense of smell. If there's essential oils or you're using a balm that's very aromatic, that's going to be a real problem for your baby in their ability to use their sense of smell. They're not going to be able to find your nipple in the same way. So... It's all about finding the right product that's not going to impact your breastfeeding in a negative way, but it's going to really accelerate wound healing so that your nipples um, can adjust quickly to that process of breastfeeding and you're going to be moving into a really good place. Mm,
0: That's great advice. Um, And that's another reason why it's recommended to avoid perfumes and things in the early days as well, isn't it, because they can overwhelm their senses. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: No, that's really fantastic advice. I know myself, I had a cracked nipple tiny crack on my left breast I still remember it because I I swear I have a little bit of trauma from it yeah when I had mussy and it was the worst thing I just had a c-section and that was like a blip on the radar compared to this cracked nipple yeah and the only reason I think that we got on top of it is because a midwife walked into the room as I was latching him And I was biting onto a towel and, like, my entire face was wincing. And she looked at me and she said, Laura, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just trying to feed him. And she said, how long does this pain last for? And I said, oh, like – 30 seconds but then when I really thought about it it lasted the whole time and then Mm. I looked at my nipple I hadn't actually looked yet yeah and it was the tiniest 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 little crack and I tell you what it It produced the most pain and Mm. I found myself feeling really anxious to feed on that side so Mm. when I knew I was up to that side I was like dreading it and that was well, four days. So yeah. I, my heart goes out to women who I've treated mastitis in the clinic multiple times and mm. women have bleeding nipples mm. and oh, there's some really awful examples of nipple damage and mm. my heart, like goes off to these women who continue to breastfeed. Yeah. And I think that's when you need support. So that's when you really need help because that shouldn't be happening, first of all. So mm. it's like how can we prevent this from continuing to happen? Mm. Um, but psychologically, I just think that is – intense trauma to go through every time you need to feed your baby to experience it that mm. sharp shooting sort of pain mm. is there like a normal time frame to expect that to happen so is it like if you're getting nipple damage beyond four weeks or six weeks that there's a real problem is it normal just in the first couple of weeks or is there no answer to that question
1: no yeah for sure I think you know it's great to sort of prepare ourselves it does take six weeks to establish breastfeeding um and when I say established there's lots of things that are going on in that first six weeks so you're establishing your milk supply your baby's the correct way to attach to the breast. So yeah, if you're going to experience nipple damage or those times when your baby doesn't quite get on properly, it's going to happen in those first six weeks and our nipples go through this very rapid period of adjustment in that time. So for most mothers, definitely by six weeks, a lot of that's really well and truly resolved. Uh, There's A lot of my clients, I find that within sort of the first four weeks, they'll find that things get much, much better. Um, But then there's exceptions to the rule where there's mothers that have really sensitive nipples and that they Mm. take you know, beyond six weeks, they do get to a place where it's comfortable, um, but it, it's, it takes a little bit longer for them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. everyone's experience is different, but I definitely think if you can prepare yourself in your mind, I'm going to work at this for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Statistically, if you get through, I call it the golden six week mark, mm-hmm. um, you're likely to go on and successfully breastfeed. That's great.
0: And small goals are always so much mm. easier to achieve, aren't they? Yeah. Do you I've heard the um the phrase that breastfeeding is like wearing in a new pair of shoes. So it shouldn't be sharp shooting pain, but it's like a little bit of rubbing and discomfort. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah I would say, okay. yeah, you've got to be prepared that, you know, just with me explaining like the anatomy of what happens in your baby's mouth, it's not going to be super comfortable for everyone. Um, again, it depends on like the length of your nipple. Some babies can get a mother's nipple back super quick and there's no discomfort. Um, but definitely there's plenty of mothers that it's for. It's like, a yeah, it really makes you sit up and, and yep. do some deep breathing. Um, <laughs> Um, and, to attention <laughs> yeah um but no I think that's a that's a good uh, I've not heard of that before but I think it fits <laughs> Yeah, I heard I heard that
0: once, and I just remember thinking that it that sat well with me. The idea that it's not going to be seamless, easy, you know, meditation music and (laughs) love everywhere. Like it it might be a little bit uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be painful. Nice. Um, And Amberly is going to actually demonstrate um, latch for Posse members a little bit uh, later in this um, interview, so definitely keep your eye out for that. And we are also going to do a little bit of myth busting um, when it comes to whether or not we should prepare our nipples. So we're going to do that a little bit later on Great. Um, whether we need to toughen them up or not there's some interesting um, <laughs> myths circulating around there but let's move on to another really common troubleshooting issue that women might have mm. mastitis so can you explain the 101 the basics that we need to know or look out for when it comes to mastitis
1: sure so I think the first thing is that we as mothers need to be really familiar with our anatomy. we I'm just going to bring my knitted boob in. Um, <laughs> we need to be able to feel our boobs like before, during and after a feed because your milk ducts are like these wiggly worms. And so what we want to do is be able to say, well, yeah, okay, it feels quite firm there. It feels like there's a lot of milk there. Um, or you might be like, oh, it feels a bit lumpy on this side. So you'll do your breastfeed, maybe do some gentle massage in the direction of the nipple just to encourage the milk to flow. And then you come back at the end of the feed and you'll be able to go, yeah, that's heaps better now. It feels really different. Uh, certainly for the mothers that I find out there, and there's a lot of mothers I, I will meet that say, Oh, I don't touch my boobs at all. Like I just I don't I don't want to interfere with anything. And I think it's so important to know that these are your equipment. You have mm. to be really familiar with what do your, you know, because your milk ducks are these wiggly worms, maybe anatomically your some of your ducks when they're really full, they feel very lumpy, but then after the, the milk is gone, they don't. And it's just because they wiggle in a in a way that makes them feel feel like there's lumps there. If you know that, you're not going to panic over feeling a, a you know that there's a blockage there. You're like, "Oh no, that's just I've got some ducts there that are really close together and I know it feels like that there." So, mm. I think if we learn things like that, we're much less likely to have issues with things like blocked ducts or mastitis because we're really familiar with our boobs. Mm. But mastitis is something that um it's basically just your body's way of saying that the milk has sat there for too long. There's uh, an inflammatory response in the surrounding tissue around the milk ducts. So the milk itself is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Your baby can and needs to keep breastfeeding, um, but you need to remove the blockage. So, you know, doing things, sort of my three sort of go-tos are, you know, using a little bit of heat before. Don't go too crazy on the heat because we don't want to add more, like lots more heat, but a little bit of heat before the feed, doing that massage during a feed, and then bringing in some cold packs afterwards to reduce inflammation. Mm. There's lots of other things that I recommend with mothers. I won't kind of go through everything, but I think what's important to remember um, is that if you feel well within yourself, if you're like, I feel not great, but I feel okay, then, you know, the idea is to just clear the blockage. Because a lot of mothers think if I get a blockage or mastitis, I need antibiotics. And antibiotics come with a whole heap of downsides. Mainly they totally alter and destroy your healthy gut flora and that of your baby as well. But they also put us at risk of thrush in a major way. Mm. And thrush for a postnatal mum is a nightmare. It's like, it's like so hard to cure. Mother and baby can give each other thrush through breastfeeding back and forth. And it's, it can be really hard to cure. I have treated mothers like several times over before we've kind of got it um, on under wraps so if you and just to confirm
0: because I didn't know this Mm. um Emily's talking about nipple thrush as opposed to vaginal thrush because I didn't realize there was nipple thrush until I started learning about lactation Yeah. yeah it's um I don't think it's that common or maybe it was just me but um yes nipple thrush from the breast to the baby and back again
1: Correct. Yeah. But once you get a type of thrush, you can get thrush anywhere. So you could get vaginal thrush. You could get it in your mouth because it works all the way through your digestive tract. Your baby can get it on their bottom as well. So it's one of those things that, yes, it would start. Um, it can start in if you've basically got a, a crack or a graze or something on your nipple. Thrush loves moist wound environments and so they they would thrive uh, they thrive on the nipple area and then it will travel up the milk ducts and then it goes into baby's mouth and then it can travel down their system so it's just a total pain so basically if you don't need antibiotics um so what i'm saying is when i say if you're well within yourself like mastitis is a problem when it becomes systemic and you get a fever now all of these things i'm explaining not to say go and treat yourself good luck to you like seek help (laughs) if you have any of these things but i think it's just good to know because a lot of mothers just automatically think well i started to feel a bit crap and i had this lump so i just went and got antibiotics Mm. and gps are notorious for just writing out the script and sending mothers on their way But they don't give them any management on how you're going to clear this blockage. If you can't clear the blockage in your boobs, just taking the antibiotics are not going to do the job. So and even if you can kind of put the antibiotics off for a little bit and see if you can clear the blockage, that would be a much better fit. Because I do find a lot of mothers can clear a lot of blockages with knowing their boobs and doing some of those things um, and certainly, if you need them, antibiotics are there, and we're so grateful for them for some mothers. But you, it's not necessarily what everyone needs to cure this type of thing.
0: I love what you said about getting to know your boobs. That these these are so important, and I agree. I don't think we. I feel the same about vulvas. Yeah. I think we don't touch and look and understand our own anatomy enough, and then when it comes to childbirth and rearing children, all of a sudden these things are super important to be aware of. And so I really like that touching them and knowing them and being really in tune with them because everyone's breasts are unique. I think that's really powerful um, for women to start to understand. It's probably a good thing to start during your pregnancy as well to understand and look at your breasts and look at how I, I used to be amazed by how much the nipples change in pregnancy yeah. you're like these are dish sauces now <laughs> yeah, they are yeah. huge yeah. they're never like oh, that and they're like yeah. dark yeah. so dark and i find it so fascinating but i think that's really really great advice and look as a physiotherapist we do treat women with mastitis yeah. as well and i'm mm. the same as you ambly in that um antibiotics sure it can be great for some women but i think management is the best thing so why are you getting mastitis in the first place what risk factors do you have in place that have led to this event so that it doesn't happen again yeah it's all well and good to treat it now but i don't know maybe that sports bra was too tight and yeah. so if you if you do that again or maybe you skipped that feed and yeah. you thought it was fine but maybe it's not so i think getting the risk factors down pat is super important and clearing the duct Um, is super important. Physiotherapists can use ultrasound as well. And I've had really good experience with that um, as well. So there is lots of conservative management options um, before you need to go to the antibiotic route. So I think that's really important to know. And the last one I wanted to touch on from an issue that a lot of of women will talk about is low supply um, or having like a fussy baby on the boob, which often tends to women seem to think that's related to a low supply so I know we touched on this a little bit before but and then it's probably not so easy I know with these questions you're like oh but it's so individual but could you sort of touch on if low supply is truly a problem because I've heard a statistic that it may not actually be a thing um, in most women and do the breastfeeding teas and cookies and all of that are they worth women's money should they be going out and buying them
1: okay perfect so I think to work out low supply, you um, ideally want to yeah, seek some support with it because there's a lot of very common reasons mothers will think they have a low supply if they have a frequent feeder, if their baby's doing a lot of cluster feeding, if they yep get on the pump and only express 50 mils or whatever. Um, these are all things that mothers can really question their milk production. And we know that mothers, very there's sort of key stages in the breastfeeding journey that mothers are more likely to wean um, and it's when their boobs are becoming more soft, when their body is still actually a great job at regulating their milk supply but it makes them think oh okay wow I don't have engorgement anymore I clearly am not making enough milk for my baby. Uh, it's very commonly um, coincides as well with growth spurts when our babies are feeding a lot more they're hungry they're, tr- they're growing rapidly um, but it makes mothers question supply. So these are all things that you wouldn't use as a way to accurately reflect your milk supply. What you would use is um, is these four things. So the first one is that your baby is is weeing, weeing and pooing. So six to eight wet nappies in 24 hours and soft yellow poo is normal for a breastfed baby. No amount of poo that um, is specific. Um, some babies poo very frequently. Some can go up to two weeks without doing a poo. It's all sitting in the space of normal. So nothing that you know you need to do anything about. I've never met a constipated breastfed baby. Um, So, you know, that's the first first one. Um, And then the second one is that our baby is content when they come off the breast most feeds. So not every feed, they can be unsettled. They can go through a growth spurt. um, They can cluster feed. But for most feeds over the day, you feel like you finish the feed and your baby, you know, falls asleep or, um, you know, they're content. They're relaxed. They look like that you've met their hunger needs. Um, so those, the first two in my, in my four points, um, are are things that we can do every day as mothers to review our milk supply. And then the other two we need a bit more help with. Um, so the third one is, is that they grow. So in weight length and head circumference, it's not just about weight, but I do find that mothers are, have a lot of pressure put on them when they go and see their health nurse about has your baby gained enough weight? Um, And meanwhile, maybe your baby's grown in length and head circumference is weeing and pooing like a trooper um, and content when they come off the breast. But sometimes there might be a weigh-in that babies haven't gained what we would expect Um, but meanwhile the weigh-ins before before that were fine and then you go in a couple of weeks and everything's fine so I guess that's a really important message don't panic if one of these things is not on track because it's like all of us we grow in different rates and it's yeah a lot of the time it's wait and see before we get too concerned about are you not making enough milk for your baby And then the fourth one is that our babies are reaching their developmental milestones. So again, something your health nurse will guide you on. But those are our four accurate ways to review milk supply. And only if you have worries with those, uh, and it wouldn't just be one, I would say across a few of them, um, would you, and again, always seek support with this, but maybe you would look at, do I need to look into ways to boost my supply? So you asked about teas and cookies. Yeah. Yeah. So um, these these are the things, things that have not actually been studied in like um, big, you know, randomized control trials or anything like that. Um, however, in my experience, I do find very, there's very strong anecdotal evidence that they work for the majority of mothers, but they don't work for everyone. So I think what's important is that you need to figure out, well, I'm going to try the cookies that have got the brewer's yeast and the flax seeds that are they're called galactagogues which is a product that is known to boost milk supply. So maybe you might try those and I do find they work for the majority of mothers. You might try them, and, and you need to have ways to review that is it working. Um, you might be like that didn't work for me, so I tried herbs. I you know tried fenugreek, that was really effective for me. Um, maybe those things that I would call them more subtle galactagogues. The other thing is using your breast pump, so doing some expressing, um, putting your baby to the breast more frequently. These are all ways to boost supply. Um, there's also a medication that I prescribe and that GPs um, or other yeah, midwives um, can prescribe that um, is called Domperidone um, and that it, it boosts milk supply. But obviously you need support with that and you need to go on it for a certain period of time and then you need to be able to wean off it. Um, but certainly for mothers that at the start, if we if it's a very you know um, actual low supply, um, I would have them on a very specific plan to boost supply. And quite often it's involving some domperidone. Um, yeah. If it's not that big a deal, I might be like, just do some cookies and let's review your supply. It depends on what type of um, of you know things are presenting at the time to work out the best management plan.
0: I um, was gifted some breastfeeding cookies when I had my first son. Yeah. I had no problems with supply, <laughs> but I woofed them down. So <laughs> yeah. every time I had a coffee, I was like, oh, I better have my yeah. lactation yeah. cookie because that's very important for my feeding.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And look, I like cookies at the start because cookies have calories in them. And, you know, for milk production, we do need to have sort of an extra five, 600 calories a day. So cookies can work well for that, especially for the new mum that's sleep deprived, that's not eating normally, and they can actually do great things for that. But then maybe further down the track, I don't always recommend cookies because some mothers... Um, you know some of the cookies on the market it's a bit crazy how much sugar is in them Um, and and if you're (laughs) trying to force yourself to eat three a day maybe you don't need to force yourself but you know it's if they've got 20 30 grams of sugar in them it's a lot of extra calories so there's some other really great products on the market that I've got in my online shop that are just like brewer's yeast tablets and so they Mm. still do the same job but you don't have to eat you know the calories Um, and yeah you don't need the extra calories at that point in your breastfeeding Is
0: hydration just as important for breast milk production?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's still, you know, well-balanced diet. I really like the Ayurvedic foods. Um, Warming foods are really good for a postnatal mum. Um, seasonal produce, and then yeah, of course, be well hydrated. A closer to you know more like three liters of water a day um, is really great for milk production. But I think it's important too to remember with that there's there's p- mothers in parts of the world that are you know experiencing famine that are not able to um, meet the hydration needs that we would expect, and they still maintain a milk supply. So there's some that you know the the human body is amazing, and what what mothers do is amazing. And I think it's important to remember that you know sometimes. we like say you're not eating or say you're eating you know certain things that's another really popular question is do I need to cut certain things out of my diet like spicy foods or gassy foods or all of this and a lot of the time I think we just blame mothers if babies aren't you know doing what we expect or they're windy or whatever And it's like, it's not, we don't need to always find answers. Babies are windy and, you know, yeah, there's parts of the world that mothers are not necessarily having a balanced diet, but they are very capable of maintaining full milk production. So, um, yeah, a lot of the time we don't need to fix everything. A lot of the time I think breastfeeding is a very intelligent system and it does work very well um, and sometimes we just need to trust.
0: Yes, that's such sound advice. And I think everything you just described with low milk supply and troubleshooting that. I just felt so relaxed hearing that. I think that was just such a good summary of check these boxes first, see how everything's going, and then seek help if you think you need it. Because I think that's – I don't know if women are being told that. So thank you for summarizing that so beautifully. And I um, have been to a number of um, Australian breastfeeding seminars. And I am always so fascinated by how robust the lactation system is. So what you were just saying then, how some parts of the world – You know women have terrible diets terrible hydration but they still sustain such wonderful nutrition for their children and I've seen examples of women who are in a coma who are still lactating and able to sustain that and I've read stats on how I can't remember exactly, but essentially the lactation system requires more energy than the brain in yes. the postpartum period. Like it's incredible how our resources are directed to sustaining our child's life. So no wonder mums feel tired. Exactly. <laughs> a little
1: bit. Gorgeous. We're phenomenal. We are so phenomenal, aren't we? Oh, I know. It it's so my cool. Mind. My favorite thing that I learned at a conference, you reminded me when you were saying that, was um, about in like war-torn countries where like devastatingly babies have lost their mum um grandmas have breastfed and they've relactated like or you know that's years amazing. later maybe they breastfed their their child and then you know here's this baby that has no food source and oh grandmas have been able to I know isn't that I got I get yeah. I agree when I first heard that I was like that is so amazing that that you know that's incredible that, and and I guess that's just the testament to milk making cells have memory and they we can just by stimulating the milk ducts for a mother who's breastfed before she actually can bring in supply again it's so fascinating oh my god yeah oh,
0: i find lactation yeah incredible so interesting Wow, I hope you found that episode just as informative and helpful as I did. I think it is so empowering to have this information on you before you give birth so that you are one step ahead of these issues should they ever present after birth. Instead of freaking out and worrying about supply, you now know that you have the simple four-step strategy to help you work through this. You also now know what to look for for early mastitis symptoms and that you don't necessarily need to run to the doctor for antibiotics straight away, but instead could try and assess the root cause of the problem first as for nipple damage and pain i wish i knew this before i had my first son would have saved me a lot of mental trauma and physical pain for those of you who want to learn more Amberly does a wonderful video demonstration of a correct nipple latch in our bonus episode up inside the pregnancy posse membership you can find out more and trial the program for seven days by heading to thepregnancyposse.com So I hope you enjoyed that episode, ladies. I will catch you for episode four, which is a super funny, informative, but also horrifying chat where Amberly debunks a whole heap of common breastfeeding myths.